we still find people enslaved by the power of sin, by the chains of sin. And God has the solution, salvation through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, and the president of Dayspring Bible College in Mundelein, Illinois. Hi, this is Jim Scudder. You're listening to In Grace. And today on this Thursday, June 22nd, we are going to continue in our answers series, bringing you answers to your Bible questions. And we're going to answer one on Sarah and Abraham's laughs, because they both laughed in Genesis 17, Genesis 18, when they were told in their old age that they would be parents to a son. And then also Zacharias didn't believe uh, when told of a similar situation. So we're going to talk about that. And that's a really good question. Another question that somebody asked that was really relevant, was it okay that Abraham had servants that he bought with money? These are important questions, and we have biblical answers, and we'll be answering those today and a few more here on In Grace. We are also excited about our In Grace Alaska cruise. It may be full, but if you are interested in viewing the beautiful beautiful southeast section of Alaska by cruise ship. Uh, we have an Ingrace creation cruise leaving in less than a month, and you can check that out at ingraceradio.com. Click on travel and then click on the Alaska cruise. You'll also see we have an Israel trip set up for February. That one's probably full by now. Um, I hate to keep telling you that, but um, uh, we'll be adding trips as we can, and uh, you definitely want to go on one of these great trips with us one day. We hope that you can. Ingraceradio.com is how you'll find more information on our trips and also a lot of great resources like the answer series we have on ACD. The whole, all of these questions and all of these answers that we're giving, you can get that from us here at InGrace as well. Next question, explain Abraham and Sarah's laughs. Were they of joy or disbelief? What about Zacharias' disbelief? Now, laughter is an interesting thing, isn't it? You say, hey, honey, I got you a shotgun for Christmas. And she says, <laughs> what kind of laugh is that? That's a laugh of you better not have or I might use it. You have laughs of joy. You have laughs of scorn. Ha, you know. You have laughs of disbelief, laughs of unbelief. Laughter is an interesting thing. But we find laughter in Scripture, especially when it comes to Abraham and Sarah. And let's look at the verses real quick. It's an interesting question. Abraham laughed in Genesis 17, 17. Abraham fell on his face and laughed. He had just heard that he was going to be a papa, a dad, and he was old. And his wife was old. And he fell on his face and laughed. But you know what? He had believed God before this. God had promised him many, many descendants. Of course, it's hard to have descendants if you haven't had a son, you haven't had a child. But the promise was given again. And Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that is 100 years old and shall Sarah that is 90 years old bear? And I'll just tell you what most commentators think. They think that Abraham laughed in joy. I think he laughed in joy with a hint of disbelief, okay? 
Just like when you hear something and you can't believe it. You know it's true. It's like, I just can't believe it, you know? I think that was his laugh. And then Sarah, in the next chapter, in Sarah, in verse 12 of 18, Sarah laughed within herself. This was a laugh that wasn't even out loud. Be careful of thinking that God only hears your words. God hears everything. I have one daughter that whatever she thinks, she says. <laughs> which is really bad for her. When she was young, you know, she'd just, she'd mumble something. We know, she just said something like, what did you just say? I didn't say anything. I'm like, yes, you did. <laughs> you just said that wasn't fair or something that we did. So she has no chance in life, right? Because we all know what she's thinking. I won't tell you who it was, but we love Amy to death. <laughs> but Sarah laughed within herself saying, am I wax old? Shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also. We know that this was a laugh of unbelief. And we know that from the context of other things that happened in here. But we also know that Sarah laughed again. She laughed after the birth of Isaac. So isn't it interesting that they named him Isaac? Which means laughter. Who had the last laugh? Every time they called him. Hey, laughter, get over here. Laughter. Laughter. May we take something from this? Oh, by the way, Zacharias, we don't see him laughing. He was the father of John the Baptist. They were also were, were barren, his wife, and not expecting to have a child. But the angel came and said, you're going to have a child. And he said four words in Hebrew, basically four words of unbelief. He couldn't believe it. He didn't believe it. And those four words cost him nine months of silence. For until they named the baby John, as the angel had said, he was mute. But as soon as they named him John, he could speak, and speak he did. And it's a wonderful passage of Scripture to read in Luke chapter 2. But let's have a lesson from this question. Let us always believe God. Let us always believe God. If he says it, I'm going to take that to the bank. I know it's true. Let's never have unbelief or a little disbelief. When he says something, let's believe it and let's live it. Okay? That'll be our lesson from that question. This is a tough one. Was it okay that Abraham had servants he bought with money? Obviously, there are some things in Scripture that... God permitted, God allowed, that weren't right. One was polygamy. There were other things like divorce that God allowed, even though it wasn't the best. And one of those things was owning a servant. Most of us think immediately of our history in America, and we don't have a good history in this area. We split as a nation we had families fighting families over this. Even churches were divided. The Northern and Southern Baptists were divided over this. This was a really terrible thing that happened in our country. And I think when we think of slavery, we think of harsh mistreatment. We were at the Lincoln Museum recently down in Springfield, and Abraham Lincoln had seen a slave family at auction, and they were separating the parents and the kids and the wife and the husband. It's horrible. 
There's no place in scripture that that is condoned, no place in scripture that that's okay. God had built in certain things, although it was something that wasn't the best, it was part of society, it was eventually going to end because of Christ who fulfilled the law and the prophets. We find the story of Philemon. Let's look at that real quick. Onesimus was a slave of Philemon who was a believer. Onesimus escaped, happened to run into the apostle Paul. Paul led him to the Lord, sent him back and said this in Philemon 15 and 16. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever, not as a servant, but above a servant, a brother. What ended slavery? Well, it was this type of philosophy that we're all equal. We are all equal. Racism is wrong. Slavery back in the Bible times wasn't as much about race as it was about if you were in huge debt, you would sell yourself into servanthood. Most of them would receive some sort of wage, although meager. It was kind of more like a lifetime contract or the person was a prisoner of war, and instead of killing that person, the person would be a slave. And it was very prevalent in the culture and in the day. Does that make it right? No. But eventually, the word of God, the Lord Jesus, will end all things that aren't right. You know, people think they're free today, when really, a lot of people are still enslaved Slavery, although not legal in the United States and most of the world, although it still happens in other places, we still find people enslaved by what? By the power of sin, by the chains of sin. And God has the solution, salvation through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the penalty of sin is canceled when you receive that gift. And so is the power of sin broken when you Yield to the Spirit of God every day in your life, and one day, the very presence of sin will be gone. Won't that be a great day? I can't wait for that day, but while we still live in this sin-cursed world, there's no limit to the evil that we'll think of. Wilberforce, Newton, even Abraham Lincoln, Christians that were committed to abolishing and ending this horrible practice, and we praise God that we have. Racism is wrong, and we praise the Lord that we don't have uh, these types of things in our country anymore. So let us preach freedom, freedom in Jesus Christ. Are you concerned about the direction of America? Do you want to understand the secrets behind America's greatness? In Grace's series, The Secret to America's Greatness is just what you need. This video series offers insight into America's founding principles. Travel with Jim Scudder Jr. and his grandkids as he rediscovers America's founding principles and passes it on to the next generation. Traveling from coast to coast, he will explore the rich history and values that have shaped our great nation. You can get this series as a thank you when you give any amount to Ingrace. When your gift is $35 or more, you'll also receive two additional video series, Can You Find God in Washington, D.C.? and Is America a Christian Nation? These videos explore the spiritual foundations of our nation and offer hope for our future. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to learn about America's rich history and spiritual heritage. To support InGrace's mission and reach more people with the gospel, visit ingraceradio.com or call 800-78-GRACE. You can also write to InGrace at P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. That's ingraceradio.com 
or 800-78-GRACE. Okay, now this one's a really good one. This confuses a ton of people. James chapter two, explain faith without works is dead. Let's read it. 14 says, what doth it profit my brethren? Though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? Good question. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. You need to read the whole passage, but we're going to skip to 21 for sake of time. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Now, red flags are going up. For those of you that know what we teach about salvation, justification, it is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, Romans 3.28, now we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So how does Romans and James work? They both seem to contrast each other or be opposed to each other. Well, we have to ask the question. It brings up Abraham as an example, right? So my first question to you is this. When was Abraham saved? The only way to know that is to go back in Scripture. Okay, Abraham went to offer Isaac in Genesis 22. And this is when he said Abraham was justified by works when he offered Isaac. So when was Abraham saved? In Genesis 22? Actually, no. If you'll read back, you'll come to Genesis 15, 6, that says this, and he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. That is where he was justified before God, made righteous before God, okay? Now, this is not that complicated, so stay with me. We know salvation is by faith without the deeds of the law, but James says without the deeds of the law, we cannot be justified. So what is the justification referring to in James 2? Let me make two statements. Napoleon was a very small man. And Napoleon was a very big man. Those seem to be two contradictory statements. But perhaps they're not. Because we can understand Napoleon is a small man by he was a small man in stature, but he was a big man in history, right? So it's by defining what you're talking about, right? So let's go back and define the words justify and save. First, save, okay? What is the word saved? It can mean saved from hell to heaven, and that's a lot of times when we say I'm saved, that's what we're talking about. It could be I was saved, my car was stuck on the tracks, and somebody opened the door, pulled me out, and saved me from death, from the train. Salvation, it depends about saved from what? So we ask the question in James 2, what are we saved from in James 2? It says, if someone is starving, if someone is naked, and you say, be warmed and filled, go on your way, have you helped that person? No. How do you help that person? You feed them, you give them clothes, you give them shelter, you make sure they're okay. You meet their basic needs. Works. Works. Okay, that's what we're talking about. Save from starvation. Save from exposure, right? It's right in the context. Salvation here. Okay, we're talking about this life, this earth, not about saved from heaven and hell, but saved from whatever it is. And that's why we need to do these works. Now, what does justify mean? 
Well, just like safe can have different definitions based on what we're saved from, so can justified. Justified means in Romans 3 and many places in Scripture. By the way, Galatians 2, just the verse before, talks about the last question we asked. Justification is by faith. Okay, Romans explains that in detail. So justified in the sense of eternal life or salvation has the meaning of to absolve or declare free of blame. But you can also find another definition in English for justified, which is to demonstrate or prove to be just. In other words, if I came to you and say, justify your position, you have to now prove your case or prove your position. Give me some evidence, right? So that's what we're talking about in James 2, is being justified before man. Because man can't see my faith, I need to demonstrate my faith by my works. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 talk about salvation through faith by the Lord's grace. Okay, it's not of ourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation. What's verse 10 say? We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, that we should be doing those things. So Ephesians 2.10 is our Christian life, demonstrating our faith by our life, by our service, by our works. So when someone needs help, we help them. Why? Because it's the right thing to do, and it shows Christ. And it shows them that you're different, and it shows them that you have something unique in your life. You have the Lord, and hopefully they will want what you have. So we are justified before men in James. We are justified before God in Romans. Does that help you understand the differences there? I hope it does. This is a good one. When Jesus died for us and paid for our sins, where did our sins go? And then tongue in cheek, they asked to Satan's inbox. That's a good place to send sin, right? Satan's inbox. There was once a family, and they had a young child. The child was very sick, had cancer, went through multiple treatments. Fortunately, all the treatments worked. The child's life was saved, but it amassed a huge debt of hundreds of thousands of dollars. The family was already poor. There's no way they could possibly pay this huge debt. The man, the husband's, the father's boss heard about this. He was a wealthy man, a good man. He heard about the situation. He decided to call the hospital, call the doctors, and he paid that debt himself. The family couldn't believe it. They laughed. <laughs> but they were so happy that the debt had been paid. So my question to you is, where did that debt go? It was, it was obliterated, right? It was, it was paid, and, and it was as if it never existed. It's gone. And you know, the Bible kind of has some words in Psalm 103 that help me understand where our sins went after Jesus paid for them on the cross. In verse 12 of Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. They're gone. Buried in the deepest sea. Though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Why? Because he paid the debt for your sins. And they're gone. They're gone. Now, to receive that forgiveness... To have that payment put to your account, you have to receive it. It's offered to you as a gift. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. So that salvation, that blood payment on the cross of a perfect human, 
was to satisfy the debt of all mankind's sins, past, present, and future. Now, what do you have to do to receive that? It's by faith. It's by faith. Faith in what? Not just faith that there is a God. Abraham believed God, right? He believed God. So what has God told us? God told us the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, came, lived a perfect life, died on a cross, poured out his blood, rose again the third day. That's what we know from Scripture. It's an amazing demonstration of love, that God is holy, he's just, he satisfied his righteousness by allowing his own son to die on our behalf. He paid that debt. Now, how do we receive it? How do we receive eternal life that God is offering to us? We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We trust in him. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's the greatest news in all the world. Hope we never get tired of telling that message. It's the old story. The story that sometimes gets lost. It gets muddied. People come to some places that they get a little confused at. But remember, context Help the clear passages and the majority of the passages explain those that aren't as clear, right? Hermeneutics, it's just simple Bible study. Know the scripture. How do we know what God says? By reading what he says, right? The Lord Jesus was perfect. Sin separates us from God, but he loves you. He has to deal with this, so he allowed his son to become sin for us. And when he died and when he rose again, that sin was paid. The sin is gone, but you have to receive that. And when you do, you have eternal life. For you, if you've never received the gift of eternal life, to take advantage of this opportunity, because you don't know if this is the last day. You don't know when your last breath will be. I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm saying it's because it's true. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. We would love to help you. Make sure you're on your way to heaven. Make sure that you understand the gospel and how to be saved from hell to heaven. Please contact us today at 1-800-78-GRACE. 1-800-78-GRACE. If it's after hours, leave a voicemail. We'll get back to you. Or just go to our website right now, anytime, ingraceradio.com. And there you'll find more information on salvation. Or you can leave us a message there. And again, we would love to talk with you and make sure you understand the most important thing in life, and that is your eternal destination. We also are excited that we've been able to go through this answer series. Some of you have been asking, how do I get that? Well, we have a CD available with all of the answers messages. And if you'd like to get that, go to our website, ingraceradio.com. And lastly, you've been hearing me talk about this brand new video series project that we've just done. We're actually going to be featuring the audio of that tomorrow on our In Grace Friday edition and weekend edition. It's called The Secret to America's Greatness. And I've been troubled lately as people have been saying America is a, a wicked nation or America is not a good nation and America has a, a, a racist uh, foundation. Now, I'm not saying America has always been perfect, but America is a good nation and a great nation. And I wanted to take my grandkids and show them why. And so we started at Pike's Peak and using America the Beautiful, the song by Catherine Lee Bates, uh, the, the poem that she wrote there. And we kind of used that as a way to travel 
and see the beauty of America, but then also take them to Washington, D.C. and Baltimore and tell them the story of our flag and tell them the story of our national anthem and tell them the story of our founding fathers and their faith and that America is a good nation because we are founded upon God. And so if you want to get this exciting new video project, uh, you can contact us at 1-800-78-GRACE. Make a gift of any amount, and we will send you The Secret to America's Greatness two-part video series. If your gift is $35 or more, I have two more really exciting videos that we made about America. One is, Can You Find God in Washington, D.C.? And the other, America's Christian History, Did God Intervene? You can go to our website as well, ingraceradio.com. Rediscover America's founding principles with Jim Scudder Jr. as he embarks on a cross-country journey in Ingrace's new video series, The Secret to America's Greatness. Give any amount to Ingrace and receive this series. When you support Ingrace's mission to spread the gospel with a gift of $35 or more, call now, 800-78-GRACE, or go to ingraceradio.com. Thank you for joining us on In Grace Radio with Jim Scudder Jr. In Grace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio.